And uh, let's switch gears here and bring in a man who I grew up uh, watching and enjoying. And he is uh, in another portion of his wrestling career. He is a legend. Uh, and next Wednesday, AEW Road Rager, AEW getting back to the road, leaving the comfortable confines of Jacksonville, and they're headed to the James L. Knight Center in Coral Gables. AEWTix.com, AEWTix.com. It's Paul White with us here on ESPN 106.3. Paul, awesome to talk to you, man. Thank you for jumping on. And I guess let's just start with this. Uh, how is AEW life treating you so far? It's pretty unreal. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a culture shock. Um, there's a, uh, a lot of a positive synergy with everyone uh, working hard to, uh, to be better, to do better, to put the best show out possible. It's got a real young... Uh, underdog fighting kind of a atmosphere that's intoxicating um how how nervous were you to leave something that and leave an organization you had been with for 20 years and kind of do something new like it's not new but you know what i mean it's a whole new environment new atmosphere it was incredibly hard um i've had friends that i've made for over four decades there um and it was just a it's just one of those things as a talent, as any athlete or, or any professional person, um, you, you have to know what you're capable of and what your worth is and, you know, what makes you happy. And for me, um, the I had done so many things in WWE. I had done pretty much, I think, everything that you could do in WWE. And I really wasn't ready to to step into the role that I think they were trying to push me into. Yeah. Um, and it was just one of those things like, no, I want to do more. I want to contribute more. I want to wrestle. I want to help younger talent. Um, and, you know, luckily AEW and, and Tony Khan gave me this opportunity. Um, it was pretty shaky. I mean, to go from a place where you have tenure, a place where, you know, you know who you are on the totem pole, so to speak, and to kind of start over and, uh, make new uh, make new friendships and, and make new uh, impact on the business that you love. Man, you talk about Totem Pole and Paul White joining us here on ESPN 106.3. AEW Road Rager uh, uh, coming to the James L. Knight Center in Miami next Wednesday. Get your tickets for a 7 o'clock start, AEWTix.com. Good, good to see AEW leaving Jacksonville for a little bit, getting back on the road. You talk about Totem Pole, but you're, you're Paul White. Like You're someone who is a, a seven-time WWE champion, someone who has done it all, had some of the most legendary matches, and you were worried about where you fit into the pantheon of the AEW like really Paul well it's different because I'm not at the start of my career I'm not trying to prove myself I mean if anything this is the uh let's be honest it's the twilight of my career you know it's the last two years where I can compete on a level and work with guys and still entertain the fans and also teach some of the guys in the ring when I work with them so at the same time um you know this is a very hungry company that I work for there's a lot of hungry talent here and I didn't want to be that guy that just came in and plopped my big butt down, and <laughs> here I am, and I'm going to start off fighting Kenny Omega for the championship, and yeah. I'm going to hog up all the TV time. Um, some talent may think that's the wrong way to do it. I don't think so. For me, it's not my goal. I'm not really worried about being an AEW champion. Not that I wouldn't love to be AEW champion someday, but my thing was to come in and understand AEW, how it works, and how I can contribute the most, because that's 
the part that means the most to me is to legitimately be able to come in and contribute and help. And that's to take the decades of TV experience, to take the decades of traveling around the world and competing with some of the biggest stars this business has ever seen. And, and that's a, a school of learning that is kind of lost nowadays. Yeah. And to take that experience and, and transport where you can make the most and do the most for it, most bang for my buck, so to speak. And, and AEW's that. That's why I started off doing the commentary. The commentary really under, helps me understand the talent, helps me understand a lot of the creativity that's going on. Because, you know, in WWE, it's such an organized process of angles and how promos are written, how matches are structured, how opponents are structured from everything is structured from how a talent enters the ring and walks down the ramp and how they face hard camera and do their signature pose. All that is structured. Where in AEW, there's an incredible latitude of talent interpretation. You know, what, yeah. what do they think? What character are they trying to put forth? Sure, there's encouragement. Sure, you can align someone and try to help them stay within the rails. But, you know, wrestling, I've always believed, is an art, and it's up to the talent to interpret that. And to keep the, the business fresh, to keep the talent fresh, you have to let them be creative. You have to let them explore. When everything is, is laid out cookie-cutter style, it's real hard. And some talent do well in that atmosphere. But to really find your stars, your stars have to have the, the ability to to create from their own soul and make it theirs. Because like I tell them all the time, if you don't believe it, the fans won't. I, uh, I don't think this will come as a surprise to you, and I don't think I'm surprised knowing that uh, I've listened to a lot of uh, Jim Ross over the last couple of years, and he talks a lot about how when he uh, started DC, uh, WCW, went into WWE, that he kept telling guys, like, hey, you're going to have to create your own brand. This is you. You're sort of right. your, your own CEO at this point, and sort of what you're saying. Like, be creative and find your own niche instead of doing what's ultimately right. written for you as we were joined by Paul White and again uh, Paul White by the way AEW Dark Elevation you can catch that doing his commentary Monday 7 o'clock on the AEW YouTube channel so I do want to ask you from a broadcaster's perspective because I do a lot of play-by-play football and basketball for Florida Atlantic Paul White the broadcaster one how's that going so far and two uh, where are you getting the tips from is uh, is Shivoni making sure he's in your ear all the time who's talking to you how do you feel you've progressed so far uh, Tony's been a great broadcast partner. We've been friends, you know, since 95. So Tony's been great because Tony lets me do my thing, you know, and I'm learning and actually still trying to find my own style that I'm comfortable with. I mean, JR's, you know, the color commentator of color commentators, you know, he's <laughs> he can do this, you know, with his eyes closed, sure. basically. And, uh, you know, Excalibur is also another great talent that AEW has. Just that He's so quick with describing the maneuvers in the ring and, and really keeping that, that action flowing. And uh, I made a joke to Excalibur just a couple of days ago when I was talking to him. I said, you know, I watched Dodgeball the other day, and I feel like <laughs> Pepper Brooks. <laughs> the <laughs> Ocho, know? yeah. I'm casting, I feel like Captain Obvious taking <laughs> stuff sometimes. So it's, it's a unique art form to, to get your point across, to help the talent tell the story that they're telling in the ring. Uh, and to clue the audience at home, what I try to do is just give, well, this is why the talent's doing this, because they're attacking this. And psychology-wise, hopefully the talent is thinking it, and try to give that input um, from an experience perspective and try to help enhance the talent and what they're doing in the ring. Because sometimes, you know, announcers get to talking about other things, upcoming big pay-per-views or 
And, and a lot of times that what's going on in the ring, the actual storytelling gets missed. The maneuvers get called. Yeah. But the one hole that I'm trying to fill is why were these maneuvers attempted? What was, what was probably going through the talent's mind at this time? So that's the, the way I'm trying to, you know, again, be unique and make it my own. But uh, I saw Dodgeball the other day. I started <laughs> laughing. I'm like, my God, I'm Pepper Brooks. Yep. I love you know, it. That's me. I'm Captain Obvious. Every time I watch you know, AEW Dark Elevation now, because of you, I'm going to think of Dodgeball. So I appreciate that, yeah, Paul. Thank you. That's it. If you, <laughs> if you see that, it's just, it's just, you know, just because the the whole thing with the announcement with uh, Justin Bateman just being Captain Obvious with everything, you know, his bomb puts on a blindfold. Yeah, he's not going to be able to see their cotton. And I'm like, God, I got to be, uh, I got to be real careful about that. But so, uh, but, you're, but it's fun, and, and you know, and you know, broadcasting the action happens pretty fast yeah for sure so it's for like sure. sometimes you got to get your bites a little bit shorter and uh and uh you know like i tell tony i'm i'm not trying to read the gutenberg bible here i'm just trying to give a, a snippet so keep people involved but i'll say the stuff that you're throwing out there in terms of what you're noticing about yourself like you're self-critiquing yourself and that's so wildly important like that's legitimately impressive because like you were saying with uh with someone late in their wrestling career going to uh, another organization, it would be easy to just plop down and say, oh, this is good, uh, I'm a face. But you're actually, like, working for it. So that is, that, that's really impressive. Paul White is, has he a home game uh, next Wednesday uh, in Miami? Yeah. James L. Knight Center, AEW Road Rager. Can't wait for it. 7 o'clock, get your tickets, AEWTix.com. Because you're still in Pinecrest, right? Uh, actually, I just, I just moved out of Pinecrest. I moved back to Tampa. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but I still have all, a bunch of friends and family in Miami, so it's still it's still basically like going home. I mean, you know, so uh, I do chuckle a little bit because I was just a few minutes away from the building. Now I've got about a – I live in Tampa now, so I've got a three-hour and 45-minute, four-hour drive. So, But it still works. Yeah, no, without – th- That Alligator Alley drive is no big deal if you leave at the right time of day. You're all, you're all good. No, I've been driving Alligator Alley since like 1994. <laughs> <laughs> so – that's the, to me, that drive to Miami is always the best drive, even when you go over the Skyway Bridge when you leave Tampa and you go yep. across Alligator Alley. and There's just so much good time on that drive for self-reflection and, uh, and just really it's a good place to let your mind decompress and, and reorganize your office closet, so to speak. <laughs> that's, that's actually a great way to put it. Um, I do want to... Uh... Uh, fanboy for a moment, and I know you get this, and I know it's sure. annoying. But while I have you, because uh, it's not annoying at all. My God, because of the fans, I've never had to get a real job. I'm thankful. <laughs> okay, let's clarify that. I wear spandex for a living. It's not a real job. Uh, when you were at your peak, uh, your career peak, I was uh, sort of uh, coming of age sports fan and sports entertainment fan at that point, and so I actually saw you once when I was in college at a house show in Valparaiso, Indiana. But then. I also was in attendance at Allstate Arena in your famous match against Shane McMahon, 2001, uh, where you took a leg drop from Shane McMahon from the top of the Titantron. And uh, it was it was ridiculous. I have never forgotten it. They got seared into my memory. His limbs flailing as you laid there and took that bump. Uh, when that idea what I rem- comes up, yeah, what like who who came up with the idea and what do you remember from that? Well, that's, that's Shane. Uh, first of all, that's Shane. And you know, to work with Shane, you have to really try to to 
keep him, if you can, corralled within the realm of safety and reality. Because <laughs> Shane's a guy that will, like, throw his parachute out of the plane and then jump <laughs> out after it and put it on on the way down. Uh-huh. You know, that's like, I mean, his, the guy literally has no fear. But I remember that night when we talked about what we are going to do and all that stuff. But then the, the enormity of how fast he came off the top of that Titantron, he had these uh, baggy pants that were whipping like a flag in the wind. And I remember hearing those pants on the way down and thinking, wow, if he misses this, I'm dead. Like, I mean, like it's, I mean, you know, he's 200 pounds. He would have landed right on me and probably would have popped me like a grape. But uh, it turned out well. And that's the thing people understand about Shane. He's an incredible athlete. And uh, the guy is the best way I can describe it. The guy's just all balls. He has no fear. Yeah. He yeah. really doesn't. It's a, it's inspiring to be around because you can kind of look at him and go, hey, man, you know you really don't have to do this, right? But not him. He's wide open. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that you're, you're exactly right. Like, why? And he's done it over and over and over again. But you uh, have, have been in positions like that, too, as the giant, as the big guy, the guy in that situation who's going to take the bump from the big flyer or you're going up against other giants. And whether it's choke slamming the Undertaker through the ring or uh, you being tasked with, uh, with some of the, the more destructive moments in WWE, you flipping Jeeps. Like, what are, uh, are there? <laughs> Are there some uh, ideas presented to you or were there or have been, there been where you say to yourself, I just don't know if this is a good idea? Um, yeah, there was, there's a bunch of things that have been pissed at me that I, I've, like, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. And then, you know, one thing about, um, about Vince, he's a great salesman. So <laughs> he's able to, yeah. to convince you and talk you into doing anything. And also there's nothing he would ask his talent to do that he wouldn't do himself. That's a standard that just, I don't think will ever change, no matter uh, no matter how old he gets or how successful he gets. He's still got that lunatic-type attitude. <laughs> but uh, off the top of my head, I remember one afternoon we were doing a Buried Alive match. It was me, I think Taker, Mick Foley. I um, can't remember who else was in it. Um, and they were doing a test run where they were going to like pour concrete into the um, into the buried alive thing. Someone's going to back in a truck and fill it with concrete. Uh-huh. But they had this plexiglass case set up so that you could, like, they were going to put cameras in and see the person get covered in <laughs> cement. Yeah. And when they poured it, the plexiglass cracked and the whole thing just completely imploded. And I remember me and Taker and a couple of us just turned around and walked off. Like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, no, that's a big, fat no. Good Lord, man. That's uh, a big, fat no. Yeah. Like, you know, um, that's the one that I remember. Like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want any part of that. Yeah, but, you yeah. Know, I'm, I'm open-minded you know, to a point. And then, like, that's where, when concrete. I think the worst, though, when I tell you this one, you'll laugh. The worst was the Punjabi prison match. Oh, Against man. Undertaker. I'm sure. Because it looked like bamboo but was made out of steel. <laughs> there was nothing in that Punjabi prison match that was friendly at all. Like, every surface was ready to bust you open or bruise you or break something. Like, I was like, whose idea was it to make it look like bamboo and have it made out of steel? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like shouldn't it look like steel and be made out of bamboo? I mean, you know. 
uh, no matter what, that was going to be stiff uh, in that. Uh, again, Paul White, AEW, exactly. like, and that sucks. That's that's a, a tough thing going in. Paul White, AEW Road Ranger, James L. Knight Center, AEW returning to the road in front of fans. Uh, this comes up Wednesday, 7 o'clock, AEWTicks.com. Just a couple left for you, Paul. And again, thank you for, for jumping on because this is uh, it's, hey, it's Thank awesome. you so much for having me, and I, I can't wait to see everyone there in Miami come out and Enjoy some good old fashioned pro wrestling. Yeah, it's it, I, it's going to be, and I guess that leads me to this: How old, or at what point did it get old uh, performing in front of screens or chairs once the pandemic started? <laughs> um, it was tough, but I thought the pandemic was good for talent for for a number of reasons because it, they didn't have the ability to um, go to the audience in their matches. They had to focus on what they were doing in the ring. And it's just like if you go back years ago to some of the Georgia Championship things mm-hmm. in Mid-Atlantic, you know, these are in TV studios that might have 25 or 30 people there because, you know what I mean? Like there yeah. wasn't a lot of people at some of those television tapings. And all those guys that were great workers like, you know, Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton and Ric Flair and you know, all those guys that were doing that whole circuit back then really had to know what they were doing in the ring because they couldn't rely on that audience as a crutch to involve them. Sure. So I think it's been good for the talent to experience that. I think it's been good for a lot of talent mentally to really appreciate the fans and appreciate how lucky we are to be able to do what we do. And uh, I think it's been good overall. Um, but I think definitely the excitement to be back in front of the crowd has, has never been higher. So all that, you take a negative and you turn to a positive. So you know, you got to find a silver lining in the cloud. And I think the one silver lining out of it is, is it really made the talent focus on what they were doing in the ring more so and uh, made them really appreciate the fans. I do think that that probably has helped people like, and in particular, what comes to mind at AEW is Britt Baker. Like, she started as a bit of a sensation, had a lot of crowd support, and then she really developed her character and it forced her to focus on herself technically as well uh with with no fans in attendance and now look at her she's one of the biggest stars in all of wrestling she's one who immediately comes yeah, i tease i tease brit all the time and call her i called i call her a needle mover I said you're a needle mover kid <laughs> I said, some people move the needle yeah. and some people don't you yep. move the needle and she's really really grown and that's a prime example of a talent that's been able to create their own persona to create their own their own brand and get over and you can tell by the reception she gets from the fans it's not contrived she's legitimately over she's not over because she gets tv time every week and this is what's being pushed she got over because she learned how to work and she is over she she built that relationship with the fans and that's that's the key to a long-term career that's the key to being successful you know yeah, for sure. Uh, two more quick ones here with Paul White. Um, uh, I saw in a couple of interviews uh, that you were were uh, talking about Vince McMahon when he found out that you were going to AEW, and you said he was very gracious and he understood. But going into that, how nervous were you when you were thinking about when he was going to find out you were making the move? No, I, I, don't, I don't think it was a when kind of a thing. I mean, Vince and I didn't have that kind of relationship where you know there wasn't any surprises. I mean, uh, there were there were just things that I wanted as far as terms and and opportunity and compensation, and you know, not saying that anything that they offered me wasn't generous. It was very generous, but it just wasn't the direction that I wanted to go into personally. Um, you know, and that's the thing. And Vince 
is the type of person that he always respects people for going with their gut. Yeah. You know, and, and him and I have been through a lot together. And I, I mean, every, all the success I have is from, from working there and I'm eternally grateful, but you know, I think he, uh, the fact, if I would have taken what was offered, I think he would have lost more respect for me, if that makes sense. Sure. You no. know what I mean? I know it's a weird thing to say, sure. but you know, in a lot of ways, Vince has always been kind of like a, um, you know, an adult figure, an older figure, a mentor, you know, a crazy-ass boss sometimes that you want to, you know, um, shove in the trunk of a car and drive off a cliff. <laughs> but at the same time, they, he still was able to motivate you as a talent to be better. And, and I think at that time he understood where I was coming from, and that's why, you know, he was uh, sincere about me leaving because, you know, it, he understood for me personally it was a thing I had to do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's that's. And it's a funny thing too because I've always looked at my career in WWE as I could be fired tomorrow when I was there. Yeah. You know, my last name wasn't McMahon. Nothing was guaranteed. You yeah. have to work hard every day. It is a. It's. It's not like you. You get there and oh, I've made it. You know, it's a. It's a constant uh, hustle and work rate and that kind of. Uh, that kind of environment has made me a better a better talent, a better person, because I understand what I'm there for. I'm not there just to be a star on TV. I'm there to make a company better. And that's one of the reasons why I want to leave, is I wanted to do more. And I, AEW gave me that opportunity in a completely different different type of environment. You know, it's, a, it's to have the knowledge I have now, um, or as smart as I think I am, let's put it that way, <laughs> and the ability to, to apply that is is so spiritually rewarding. It's It's um, I don't want to say I'd do it for free, but uh, spiritually rewarding, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and I'm just a guy, but uh, for people listening that don't understand the wrestling business or are just casual fans, like for what Paul White did to be in the business as long as he's done and to do it 20 years in the WWE, like that is rare air. That is not, that just, just does not happen for just anybody. And so that's overly no, significant. No. <laughs> uh, and eight, yeah, yeah, I'm very blessed to have been there that long, without a doubt, yeah. Uh, AEW Road Rager next Wednesday, James L. Knight Center, 7 o'clock, AEWTix.com. AEW, if you haven't watched it, one, what are you waiting for, especially if you're a wrestling fan, and two, uh, it's going to be awesome getting in front of fans again. I can't wait to see this thing next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Paul White commentating as well, AEW Dark Elevation, Monday, 7 o'clock on the AEW YouTube channel. Let's wrap with this, and i got to talk basketball with you. I need you to go back to Wichita State, 91-92 season. <laughs> now you know that basketball right. is not a big man's game any longer. The big men have to be able to shoot or you have to play at the perimeter. Uh, college, right. Wichita State, Paul White, 91-92. How was that jump shot outside of, say, like 10, 12 feet? Um, I had great offensive shooting skills. I mean, I was a great shooter. I think my biggest problem when I went to Wichita State is, believe it or not, I never really ran an organized offense before. I yeah. posted up in a low post and just did what I had to do. So for me, it was a really unique transition because Coach Cohen ran that UCLA high post offense. And it always felt like to me, just by the time I got in place ready to do something, I had to move again. You know, <laughs> so I mean, the game has changed. Like if I had to play the game now with the tremendous athletes we had now, I would be like you know, like a thug from a hockey team. I would just go in there and set permanent picks. Uh, I love That's it. I, I would, Throw that body around. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be my role now. Permanent picks. I, I got. It. I got five fouls, and every one of them is going to count. 
Hey, you're you're like Udonis Haslam, like you're you're modern day Udonis Haslam if you were going to uh, be in that role. And I appreciate that and respect that, uh, Paul White. Uh, it, it and I've always appreciated the time that you've given to uh, to people like us and to fans especially. And uh, typically. There are, there's someone on the phone saying wrap it up and for you to spend the time you did with us uh, really appreciate it and I can't wait to be down there next Wednesday to uh, see AEW back on the road Paul White, thank you for jumping on with us Thank you very, very much for having me. Have a great day. All right. Paul White, again, wrestling superstar, one of the greatest giants in the history of sports entertainment. And you can see Paul White on the AEW YouTube channel, AEW Dark Elevation, Monday, 7 Eastern time. Get your AEW tickets, AEW Road Ranger next Wednesday, James L. Knight Center. This will be nationally televised, TNT, AEW returning to the road. Be a part of it. Be there. Be a part of what's going to be a raucous crowd. AEWTix.com, AEWTix.com, Paul White. We're late. It was well worth it. We'll be back. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.